0: Welcome to teachings and doctrines of the book of mormon podcast class this is class number 11 where we continue an examination of the book of helaman as a pattern of the days prior to the second coming we saw in our previous class that the book of helaman prophesied wars of the heart we then took a look at the antidote for wars of the heart in this class we now look at the prophecy of helaman that there will be secret combinations or more appropriately a secret combination. And what then is that secret combination? And what does the book of Helaman predict is the antidote for that secret combination? Um, so here's the premise again. Let me remind you of the premise. So, topic number two is the book of Mormon was written for our day. The fascinating thing is to realize that the gold plates that Mormon's preparing, who was the intended audience? Not his people, he's not writing to his people, he's writing to us. So he's taking the content that you know the, the history of his people on brass plates, and he's producing gold plates that are for our day. and that's a fascinating concept that he's writing scriptures for our day. So what specifically is for our day? and where we we've done war chapters were for our day we've done. Mosiah, uh, Noah blindness. Where we are today is that the second coming is a pattern of his first coming to America. When he came to New- Jerusalem, he came as a baby. And no, th- this is the only planet where he comes like that. The only, part, the only place that Jesus came as an infinite and grew up was th- the Jerusalem visit. Every other planet and every other visit is clouds of glory. So if you look at how Jesus came in Third Nephi, it's exactly how he's going to come the second time. His coming in America is a pattern of the second coming. That's why we have it. Therefore, now here's our conclusion. The Book of Mormon was written to point out that the days before his first coming are a pattern of the days before his second coming. God has given us the greatest commentary on living before the second coming in the Book of Mormon. What book are we in? If 3rd Nephi is the story of his coming, if 3rd Nephi is a shadow of the second coming, then what book are we in today? We're in the Book of Helaman. And no one has, I've taught the Book of Mormon for 30 years, and I've never had anyone before this discussion say their favorite book was the Book of Helaman. No one loves the Book of Helaman, because it's a mess. So I ask myself, why is the Book of Helaman a mess? Because it's a pattern of the days before the Second Coming. Now there's an element of scary When you read Helaman and say, oh, my goodness, that's what's going to that's what what we're going to face. Those are the days that are ahead. Yes, there's an element of scary. So let's embrace the scary so that we know how to prepare for it. And then we go back to Helaman and say, oh, there's the answer. And I'm worried that we're not going to get to the answer tonight. We're just going to do the scary. So bear with me. Let's go back to Helaman. Okay, you don't have to go very far. Just chapter one, Helaman, chapter one. What do we start seeing right away in Helaman one? Helaman 2. What is, now last week, we took a look at war. So it, 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 we're, we're going to break down Helaman into three challenges that they face. And the idea is, Heavenly Father's waving his arm, saying, here are the challenges you're going to deal with in your day. Here are the challenges of living before the second coming. And then we'll do the solutions. So we saw war. Twice in the book of Helaman, the Lamanites get all the way to Zarahemla. They never got to Zarahemla in Alma, did they? Where, did, where was the great war fought? On the edges. But Helaman, the war gets where? To the heart. And I think that's more symbolic than anything else. If you look at the wars that we've been fighting, we don't change boundaries, do we? We don't fight wars of conquest. When was the last war of conquest we saw? Now Alexander the Great and the Romans and the emperors of the past, they fought wars of conquest. We're gonna steal your land. Why are we fighting today? Wars of the heart. I think that symbolism of the Book of Mormon is so profound that wars in the latter day are gonna get to our heart. Why are families fighting? Issues of the heart, why are neighborhoods fighting? Issues of the heart. So the prophecy of the Book of Mormon is you are gonna live in a day where we fight over issues in our hearts. Tell me why the United States is at war with itself. Race, gender, and all of those are wars of the heart. So what was the answer? Moraniah tried to get the Lamanites out of their land with the sword. How much could he get back? Half. What happened? Nephi and Moron, Nephi and Lehi took over and with the gospel of Jesus Christ converted the Lamanites and then the Lamanites gave the land back. What Moraniah couldn't do with the sword Nephi did with the gospel. What is the solution to fighting wars of the heart? The only way this country ever solves its race issues, its gender issues is how principles of the gospel. So if you're fighting in your home, if your spouse, if you and your spouse are fighting an issue of the heart and you're using the sword, how well you're going to do. Maybe half. Until you turn to principles of the gospel to solve the solution. Now, that was last week. So chapter one, Helaman chapter one, what do we see right there on the very first chapter? The chief judge is killed by Kishkumen and there's a secret band. Helaman is about secret combinations. It's scary if this is a book saying, hey, this is what life in the latter days is gonna be like and we read about secret combinations. Okay, here's the scariness. All right, let's go to the last two verses of chapter two. Helaman two, last two verses. What is the commentary? And again, if I'm reading this, that the Book of Mormon is showing us what the days before the second coming will be like, then this is a commentary on our day. Who wants to read the last two verses of Helaman chapter two? Ashley, please. And behold, in the end of this book, you shall see that this guardian did, did prove the overthrow, yea, almost the entire destruction of the people of Nephi. Behold, I do not mean the end of the Book of Helaman, but I mean the end of the Book of Nephi, from which I have taken all the account which I. Have now, what story does Mormon not know when he's writing this? The Jaredite story, right? That's a story that's going to be told by his son Moroni. So Mormon is saying, "Hey, this entire people, the Nephites." were destroyed by secret combinations. I don't know very many people that would say, why were the Nephites destroyed? Oh, secret combinations. But there it is. Now, this is where it gets a little scary. And bear with the scary part because there are great answers coming. Now let's turn to Moroni's story. What Mormon didn't know when he's writing Helaman is the story of the Jaredites and their destruction. So turn to Ether chapter eight. So we're going to add to Helaman, Ether chapter 8. Now, this is where Omer is king. His son Jared wants to take the kingdom from him. So he has his daughter dance. And this is where they gain the heart of Akish. And then Akish kills his dad. And as soon as Akish kills Omer, well, tries to kill Omer's dad, he doesn't succeed. But as soon as Akish, or as soon as the secret combination is formed, Verse 8, now Moroni is telling the story and says, they formed a secret combination even as they of old, which combination is most abominable and wicked above all the sight of God. And then he says, and they have caused the destruction of which people? Jaredites. They have caused the destruction of this people of whom I now speak and also the destruction of the people of Nephi and whatsoever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain, they shall also be destroyed. Therefore, guess who I'm talking to? Verse 23. United States of America, you're next. Secret combinations destroyed the Jaredites, secret combinations destroyed the Nephites, and guess who's next? You're next. So, if I were a young YSA, if I were a young college student preparing for a long life, planning on having children and raising them in this world, you need to now prepare for the reality of secret combinations in your family. But this is where I get a little interesting. Don't suffer that these murderous combinations Shall get above you, which your guilt built up to get power. Wherefore, verse 24, the Lord commandeth you, when you shall see these things come among you, that you shall awake to the center of your awful situation. Now we'll notice what happens. Because of what? Because of this. this. Secret combination. And notice from then on out, it's all it. If I'm reading this correctly, you need to be worried about a secret combination. You need to awake to the sense of your awful situation because of this. So today I'm going to raise the warning voice about the world in which you will raise your children. And you are going to deal with a secret combination. Now here's the blessing. In the scriptures that we have today, and I know more scriptures are coming, but in the scriptures we have today, how many secret combinations has the Lord called out? One. So here I read Moroni warning about this secret combination. And the Lord calls out a secret combination. Now, do you think I'm wrong in assuming that there's a connection there? So what is the secret combination that the Lord has called out? Let me walk you through a little journey. Let's go back to Helaman. Let's define. Now I know, what are you thinking? If, if, If you were to tell me right now, what do you picture a secret combination being? Government official is killed so someone can plant a new government official. That's kind of the Book of Mormon version, Right. So President of the United States is going to be killed so we can plant a, someone in there that we can control. I don't see that. So let's see if we can rethink what the Book of Mormon is going to define as a secret combination. Let's go back to Helaman chapter 2. I think the very best definition of a secret combination is here in verse 8. when the servant of Helaman had known all the heart of Kishkumen and how it was that his obje- object was to murder and also that it was his object that those who belonged to this band to murder and rob and gain power. Let's circle three words. What are the heart and soul of a secret combination? What is their object? To end life, Steal something because they have and because they want power. Murder, rob, power. Those are the key words. We are watching for something that will use murder, rob, power to harm our lives. Murder, rob, power. Now, let me go back to the very first secret combination. And let me teach you Satan's secret. Let me teach you Satan's secret. You need to understand that Satan has a secret. Turn with me to the very first secret combination. Where am I going? Where are we going? What story is the first secret combination? Cain. Way back to the beginning, Satan formed a secret combination with Cain. So go to Moses chapter 5, Pearl of Great Price, Moses chapter 5. Now, verse 30, one reason we call them secret combinations. Tell me, read verse 30, Moses 530. Tell me one reason why we call them secret combinations. Because they're done in secret. And that's exactly what happened with Kishkumen, right? Akish, Kishkumen, they keep a secret. So one element of secret combinations is they keep things secret. But notice verse 30. Cain said, truly I am Mahan, master of this great secret. Secret combinations know a secret. Yes, they keep things secret, but they know a secret. Satan has one great secret that he has employed from the beginning of this world. And tell me what his secret is. How to kill and gain. That's two of the three words, right? What were the two words? Murder and rob. Secret combinations, murder and rob. Look at verse 33. Why did Cain kill Abel? He got rich. He stole his flocks. Satan's secret is how to turn life into money, how to kill and gain, how to kill and rob. Now, think about it. What is the plot of almost every murder mystery out there? Almost every single murder mystery, someone dies so that someone else gets rich. Satan has been teaching people how to do that from the very beginning, how to turn someone's life into money. United States slavery was a secret combination. That was Satan's secret. Let me tell you how to turn someone else's life into money. Satan taught them how to murder, how to steal, and get rich. Every war that has been ever fought, every war that has ever been fought, I am convinced, had at its root what? Satan's secret. All these people were being killed so that what? Someone got rich. Now think about all the death throughout this planet so that someone could get rich. Satan's secret. Now, we need one more word, right? Let's kick it up a notch, give Satan some experience and bring him into this day and age. Do you think he's figured out a few things? Do you think he's figured out better ways To turn life into money. Slavery, I hate to call slavery brilliant, because that's a horrible analogy. But from Satan's perspective, that was a brilliant strategy, wasn't it? How to turn millions of lives into money. Now let's kick it up a notch. The one place where Satan has, where the Lord has called out a conspiracy, to steal your money. Section 89. And I wanna hear the bells start to ring in your head. Section 89. Who's hearing a bell in your head? What's the ringing? What's going on, Liam? Word of wisdom is a warning about secret combinations. This is where the Lord calls out the secret combinations of our day. This is why I'm confident to say if it's that secret combination and the Lord calls it out in section 89, I think this is what you need to prepare your children for. I think this is the world in which your children are going to grow up. Section 89. Now, most Latter-day Saints, if I were to ask them (coughs) why we have a word of wisdom, what would the most common answer be? It's a law of health. That is not why the Lord gave it. Let's read it carefully. Section 89, verse 4. Why did the Lord give section 89? Why do we have a word of wisdom? Section 89, verse 4. Anyone want to read? I bet you've, I'm hoping you're seeing the word of wisdom from a new lens today. This is not a law of health only. Now, it certainly is a law of health, but Charlie, read verse 4. Will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days. I have warned you and forewarned you by giving unto you is the word of wisdom and revelation. Tell me the connection you're making. What does the word of wisdom have to do with Satan's secret? What's the connection here? I am giving you a word of wisdom because of conspiring men. Tell me what they're conspiring to do. We've got murder and rob. What are we gonna add? You got it? What's the connection? Well, at least what I came up with was like you think of like like nicotine companies who make millions and millions of dollars. What's of the money. power here? What's the power portion here? The addiction. Addiction. Satan's secret today is that I can put substances in your body and into your mind. I can get you addicted. And once you're addicted, what will you do? You will pay me money until you're dead. I'm just going to let you think about that for a second. Liam's mind is blown. (laughs) The word of wisdom was given because people are conspiring to control me through what? They have power over me because I'm addicted to something. They have power to rob me until I die. What are the three words? Murder, rob, power. Tell me that doesn't fit the description of a a Book of Mormon secret combination. Murder, rob, power. Anyone want to guess? I did the math based on national averages. Anyone wanna guess what the average smoker will pay the tobacco industry over their lifetime? $150,000 each. They are gonna pay the tobacco industry $150,000 over their lifetime to do what? To ruin their life. Because someone has power over them. And that's why we have a word of wisdom. Now, if we really read the word of wisdom that way, then I think we have to conclude. Okay, pretend I don't have yellow. Pretend my orange is yellow. I think we have to conclude. I need. Red on the bottom or top? Red's on the bottom. Mm-hmm. The stoplight, what's red on the bottom? Red's on top. Why am I drawing a blank? <laughs> okay, I've seen a billion of them in my lifetime. Now, I think we have to conclude that there's red light addictions that the church says, these are so dangerous, we're going to make your membership at stake. If you're addicted to things that arouse you sexually, your membership is at stake. And you can't be a member. If you're addicted to tobacco, your membership is at stake. If you're addicted to gambling, your membership is at stake. The church has placed red light restrictions on some of the most dangerous conspiracies. Any conspirator that has so much power over us that we almost lose our agency, the church has placed red light restrictions on. Do you see why? They're all secret combinations. But tell me what you're hearing, tell me what you're seeing in all of this that there's a whole lot of what? Yellow light, I'm warning you people, if you're not careful, some of you are gonna give up your agency out of an addiction. So I think we're all familiar with the red light. I think we, alcohol, tobacco, somewhere along the line, Satan convinced people that alcohol was cool. I cannot fathom why anyone would believe that alcohol is cool. There is nothing about alcohol that is cool. And yet, what has Satan convinced the whole world? What do teenagers long to do? They think it's the coolest thing in the world. To do what? And where did he convince them to do that? And now he's gotten them addicted. I think we're familiar with some of the red light addictions that have control over people we love. But how about we talk about some of the yellow light addictions? What are some yellow light addictions that don't threaten your membership, but you've seen people robbed, possibly murdered, because someone has control over them? Energy okay, so what, we've got this fascinating, growing world of other drinks that aren't against the word of wisdom, that have a growing addiction. What's fascinating is what is one one of them is selling energy. Now, how many of you know someone addicted to energy drinks? Can I ask how many a day? How many a day? Ten. Ten a day. No Ten no and they're each two bucks. Three bucks? So you have a friend who is drinking, thir- you have a teacher who is drinking $30 worth of energy drinks a day. Now, the, brilli- the, the, the brilliance of the conspiracy is what? What's the brilliance of the conspiracy? You drink it, and what will your energy do? You get energy. They sell what they're purporting, and then? And now, what do you do when you crash? You get another one. Oh, that's brilliant! That is Satan's secret taken up a notch because what is it? No shame here. What am I selling? And yet, what am I doing? I am controlling you to pay me money until you die. That is the very definition of a secret combination. And I have lost control over myself. Keep going. There's one. Social media has become a new form of addiction. Raise your hand if you know a marriage that was destroyed over social media. 10 years ago, I don't think anyone would have thought that. Lives are starting to be destroyed over the addiction of social media. And your children are coming. Give me another one. This might be a little weird, but I have the news playing in the background of my work because it's like a waiting area and I just talked to some people who are almost addicted to bad news. Yeah. Well not only that, but I know people who are addicted to horror and tragedy. Okay, keep going. Can I raise a warning voice? I know a whole lot of people that are addicted to video games. Mm-hmm. They are addicted to video games at the expense of their life. They are controlled by a game. Now Maybe and I knew exactly what he was talking about that the problem you will face in your life is addiction in one form or another. That people are gonna use addiction to have power over you to steal your money and tell your debt. You see them everywhere. I hate to ruin your life, but you're gonna start to see them everywhere. Let me give you a few examples. The diet industry has a brilliant way To steal your money. People who are addicted to weighing and looking thinner. I am addicted to the way I look. And I've gained a little weight. So what do I do? General rule, if you lose weight, what's the general rule to lose weight? Decrease what goes in and or increase what goes out. If the net result is a loss, I lose weight, right? Now, I know hormones play a different thing, but along comes a company that says what? We can cheat that. You don't have to pay that price. Just do what? Pay us your money. And does it work? Do you lose a little weight? Yes, for a while. And then you gain it back. And what do you do when you gain it back? You pay them more money. Satan's secret. Now, I love, would you turn here? Second Peter chapter two, verses three and 19. Way back in the New Testament, I think Peter saw this coming. I think the prophet of that day saw our day. And I love that he wrote this. Second Peter chapter two, verses 13 and 19. Let me pull them up. Second Peter, from the prophet of their day to the prophet in our day. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words do what? Make merchandise of you. They buy and sell you. And how do they do that? Verse 19. How do they do that? Of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. You have a warning. The warning I am throwing out there is you are going to raise your family in a world where people are trying to control your and your children's agency. And they do it through addiction. And the more you can begin to today, recognize that I am being controlled. Social media controls me. My phone controls me. A substance controls me. I am controlled, forgive my bluntness, but I'm controlled when I am aroused, my body creates drugs that I'm addicted to. Therefore, I want continual arousal because I'm addicted to the drugs that it creates. And there's the secret combination. Now, as a second witness, can I throw a second witness? Remember how Nephi was allowed to see our day? but he couldn't write about it because that's John's do- job, didn't stop him from commenting on it. Let me show you some, some very interesting things that he wrote. Go to 1 Nephi chapter 22. It's almost as if Nephi said, I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I can tell you some interesting things. I can make some commentary. Look at verse 13, for example. Let me, I can't tell you how it ends, but I can tell you something interesting. It's not good that beats evil. I've always thought that the end of the world is that good finally beats evil. You know, like every Superman movie, there's a villain and they beat Superman up. And finally, he has enough strength to defeat the bad guy. Good always beats evil. That is not how the world ends. Good will not defeat evil at the end of this world. Verse 13, what does Nephi say? I've seen the end and it ends how? How? Just yell it out, Liam. The sword of their own hands shall fall upon their own heads. Evil will defeat evil. Evil will be de- defeat evil. Now, interesting commentary. When the eastern side of the United States was defeating itself, where was the church? Out west. When the whole world is beating each other up, where will the church be? In Zion. Evil defeats evil. Okay, how about 17 through 20? I can't tell you how it ends, but one thing I can say is, over and over, 17 through 20, what do you see in there? I can't tell you how it ends, and that's not my job to write the story, but what I can say is, you're going to be just fine. The righteous need not fear. Can't tell you, I see it, I see how the world ends. I, you're going to be fine. You're just going to be totally fine, guys. Well, what happened? I can't tell you, just trust me, you're gonna be fine. Now, verse 23, the biggest problems of our day, the churches of our day, what does he see? What are the churches of our day that Nephi sees, the biggest problems of our day? Number one, the church of getting gain. And the second one, power over the flesh. Nephi saw what? That people would have power over your flesh. The churches of power over the flesh, the churches of addiction, the churches of controlling you because you're addicted to something. Now I raise the warning voice. You know what the future is going to hold. Don't let it happen to your children. Read what Moroni said again. Let's go back to Moroni chapter, or Ether chapter 8. Where's my printed one? Go to Moroni chapter 8. Listen to what he says. Don't bury your head in the sand, don't just sit there and look the other way. That's horrible parenting. Ether chapter 8. I, I want to point out, first of all, number, or verse 23. O you Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins and suffer not, that these murderous combinations get above you. Look for them. Do you understand right now what dangers are coming for your children in the future? So many people are going to try and control your children by having power over them and steal their agency, steal their money through addiction. Do you know what's coming? Are you prepared for it? Okay, so be prepared. Now, number two, verse 24. The Lord commandeth you when you see these things come among you, that you awake to the sense of your awful situation. Do something. And I'm trying to raise the warning voice so you know what's coming. Now, what's the answer? What's the antidote? We have time to do at least part of the antidote. What's the antidote to secret combinations? This is where you need to squint and relax your eyes a little bit and look at Helaman from a distance you got to have to wait. Okay. Let me look at the whole book. So here's the whole book of Helaman, 16 chapters. One, 16, 16, right? Why am I drawing a blank? 16, right? Am I right? It's not 15. How many chapters does Helaman have? It says 16. 15. Is it 15? 16. 16, right? Okay. So here's 16 chapters of Helaman. Oh, sorry. Now, so this would be seven, eight, nine, 10. Right here, the Lord tells a story. Now, you know chapters. You know real estate. You know about how long Mormon took to tell a story, right? A normal chapter. How long does does Mormon usually take to tell a story? How often does Mormon take three chapters to tell a story? This is an anomaly. It's not a complicated story. You know the story, right? Nephi comes back from the conversion of the Lamanites. He's praying in his garden. People stop. He says, your chief judge been murdered. They run and see that the chief judge sure has been murdered. So they accuse Nephi of having something to do with it. He says, you idiots. Let me tell you what happened. Go to his brother's house. Go to Ciantum's house. Ask him if he killed the chief judge. He'll say no. Examine his clothes. You'll find blood on his coat. Now you ask him where the blood came from, and he'll confess that he killed his brother. Then you ask him if I, the pretended prophet, had anything to do with it, and he'll say no. How long did it take me to summarize the story? 30 seconds? And Mormon writes the story into three chapters. What's the point of the story? What's the point of that story? Nephi saw through the secret. You see it? What's the antidote? The antidote to secret combinations is you better have a prophet who sees through secrets who is constantly warning about the combinations that are trying to do. Has President Nelson said anything about social media? Video games, addiction, they will always warn us. Now, does he come out and say, I forbid you to be on social media? But do you know the difference of a prophet raising the yellow light and saying, problem here, warning here. I see it. I see the addiction. Let's let me take a look at let's take a look at what prophecy. Turn Turn to more Mor- Mosiah. Mosiah chapter eight. Tell me what prophets see. What do prophets see? This is a great con- contribution from the Book of Mormon. Mosiah chapter eight. This is where Ammon not chop off the arms. Ammon totally different. Ammon shows up to Limhi to rescue his people. And. Limhi, who has found, remember how they tried to get back home and they found the gold plates, the, the 24 gold plates of the Jaredites. And he asks Ammon, is there anyone back home that can translate, that can read these records? And he says, of a, of a truth, verse 13, "Iish can assuredly tell thee, O king, of a man that can translate the records, for he has a stone, and he can look into it, and their interpreters, and the Mormons will call them Urim and, and Thummim, but he can see, and he's called a seer. And Ammon says, well, I'd rather have a seer than a prophet. No, Limhi says that. And Ammon says what in verse 16? Um, They're the same, a prophet, seer, and a revelator. And then he says, this is what they see. This is why we need prophets, seers, and revelators today. Tell me what they see. First, past. past. Then, Future. future. And then how many ways does he describe the next one? How many different ways does he tell you what President Nelson sees? Number one, he sees... Secret things, hidden things, things which are not known and even things which can't be known. There is no way your children survive the future without a prophet. So if I were a young parent, you know what I teach my children? How to follow a prophet how to recognize a warning that someone's trying to destroy my life. The antidote to secret combinations is to have someone who sees through the secrets. And they can be old and still do that, can't they? I leave you with my solemn testimony that Russell Nelson sees secret things, hidden things. Things which aren't known and things which can't be known. I'll give you an example of that last one. Abraham was taken on a tour of the cosmos. Now, no one can do that. I can't go see Kolob. I'd love to go see Kolob. And yet Abraham was taken to see Kolob. Things which no one can see. They see. It is a wonderful time to raise children. You are so lucky to be on Earth today. But you do have some challenges. And thank goodness Mormon saw your day and said, let me tell you what you need to do. Because you will deal with secret combinations. So may I just invite you right now for the sake of your children to recognize those things that have control over you. Maybe put your phone away for a little bit. Maybe recognize the things that you are controlled by in a detrimental way. What other people think? How other people perceive me are some of the most addictive things in our lives. I bear you my testimony that what the, what I bear you t- my testimony that there there are those who are trying to make merchandise of you, and the way they do it is simply of what of whatever of whom or of what a man is overcome. Of the same, he is brought into bondage. Don't be a slave. Don't be a slave. Don't let addiction rob you of choice and agency. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for Teachings and Doctrines of the Book of Mormon podcast class this has been class number 11 regarding the prophecy in the book of helaman that the days prior to the second coming will see secret combinations or rather secret combination as you ponder what we talked about in this class would you look at your life and the lives of the people you love and see if you recognize that secret combination creeping into our lives And if so, what can we do about it now before it has complete control over us?